Welcome to the Growing with Nature podcast. I'm your host, Darren Williams, permaculture enthusiast, restoration ecologist, and founder of Growing with Nature. Too often, we hear that the best thing we can do for nature is to leave it alone. But people are a part of nature, and you can make the living world around you come alive with abundance for people, plants, and wildlife, even in your own backyard. Join me on a journey through regenerative soil building, permaculture, restoration ecology, and more. To learn concrete steps you can take at home to support wildlife, grow incredible, delicious food, and help heal our living world right in your own backyard. Ready to get started? Grab a shovel, roll up your sleeves, and let's make the living world around you come alive. In this episode, we're going to dive into seven strategies you can use to deal with drought today and in the future. As this episode goes live, the western United States is in the throes of a mega drought, a situation that is becoming all too common in a warming world. So let's look at how you can deal with drought today and prepare for future ones. So what type of landscape do you picture when you think about western Washington? Rain? Yeah, this area does have a reputation for being wet. But despite the large amount of rain we can get in the winter, our summers are very dry. It's not unusual to get little to no rain in July, August, and even September. And some years, the rains stop in May and don't return until October. The key to deal with drought and seasonal dryness like this is to hold on to as much of that winter moisture as possible. Especially if, like me, you don't have a water system for your garden. You know, my goal has always been to avoid watering as much as possible. I really don't want to be reliant on a steady supply of water. Despite, you know, and despite getting little to no rain in the summer months, I can often go weeks without watering my garden. And my perennial areas, like my food forests and hedgerows, never get watered. Now, I can't promise that the seven strategies covered in this episode will let you stop watering your plants altogether. Your soil may hold less water than mine, and you may get hotter than we do. But what I can promise is that these seven strategies will help you deal with drought and reduce how much watering you need to do. And if you implement these strategies year after year, your growing areas will get more resilient to future droughts. And eventually, you may be able to stop watering completely. That's my goal. And in a warming world with droughts becoming worse, it makes sense to strive to use as little water as possible. And before we dive into how to, how you can deal with droughts and these seven strategies to help you do it, I do want to take a moment to say thank you to our newest patron, Cat W. You know, the support of patrons like Cat makes it possible for us to create free weekly content to help people heal the living world around them by cultivating abundance for people, plants, and wildlife. So thank you, Kat, and really appreciate it. We couldn't do it without support of patrons like you. And I also just want to take a moment to read a recent review. Uh, we got an Apple podcast from Karis Likes to Go Barefoot. So here's a review. Darren's approach to growing your own food and managing your property, whether an acreage or backyard, is not only helpful to anybody wanting to live a more homegrown life, but also provides critical information for anyone who wants to help our climate, support native wildlife, and reduce your carbon footprint. I absolutely love that he provides information on how I can both use my property to provide for my own needs and also support native plants and animals at the same time. What Darren has to offer is super practical for any gardener and so timely in a climate that is increasingly posing dangers to wildlife and humans alike. I hope that his message will have a far reach and help contribute to systemic changes in the way we all relate to food and the environment around you, around us. You know, thank 
Thank you so much, Karis. It means the world to me. You know, kind words like yours really help me stay motivated to create weekly podcast episodes. And you're right, you know, we really do need to do what we can to support wildlife and people, you know, this especially in a world that's getting so much warmer. You know, I'm sitting here recording this podcast right now in the middle of record-breaking droughts here in western Washington. And, you know, unfortunately, that's just going to become more common. And I really hope that others, you know, will find this information useful and can really help everyone, you know, do what they can to help solve our climate crisis and also support our families and communities. So thank you very much for your kind review. And, you know, if you like what you hear today, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. You know, your review will help more people find us, you know, people like you who want to bring these skills home to enjoy wildlife, grow more food, and help heal our living world. Okay, let's get started. When we bought our land, it was the end of summer. When we first went out to look at it, you know, I brought a shovel with me. And it was a very dry summer that year, very hot. You know, the grass was all dry, the soil was a pale gray, you know, the color of concrete. And when I tried to dig into that soil, I couldn't get the shovel into the ground. The soil not only looked like concrete, it was basically as hard as it too. I knew this was going to be a challenge, but, you know, I'm always up for taking on a challenge, and I always want to try to do what I can to restore degraded land. And, you know, today, the soil is much better in the areas that I've been working on. Instead of gray, the soil has turned brown. And I can dig in it using a hand trowel even after months of no rain. You know, these areas are far more resilient to droughts than the areas I haven't improved. But of course, it takes time to get to this point. So what should you do today to deal with drought? You know, drought is always on my mind when I'm getting into new areas for planting. You know, when I'm preparing a new area to plant, I'm always thinking about how can I help the plants thrive in the summers without any water. And in a warming world, it's best to expect hot, dry summers. You know, this really is our new normal, so let's get ready for it. So here's what you can do to help deal with drought today. And don't forget to check the link in the description to visit the show notes, which has a link, has lists of resources to help you get started uh, with each of these techniques. So the first technique I want to mention is just to keep the soil covered. You know, the first thing you should really do to deal with drought today is to keep the soil covered. You know, not only does this help keep the soil moist, it also helps keep it relatively cool. Keeping the soil covered doesn't just protect the soil from the heat of the sun. It also helps shelter it from the wind. A mild, windy day can dry out the soil even quicker than a hot but calm day. There are several ways you can keep your soil covered. You know, one is to use mulch. You know, wood chips, straw, fall leaves, these are all great options, and I do this a lot in my own place. You know, you can even chop and drop spent flower heads and veggies that go to seed and plants that need cut back as easy sources of mulch. I often end up cutting back plants that, you know, have fallen over into my paths. Especially after, if we do get a little bit of rain in like late spring, a lot of times plants fall over, they, they're in the paths, these are really great to um, cut back. You know, these cuttings for me, they either end up in the compost bin or I just drop onto the ground to help protect the soil. A general rule is, you know, fresh green cuttings go in the compost or worm bin, and old brown cuttings get dropped as mulch. You know, but living plants can also work as a living mulch. You know, just make sure that they're thick enough to fully cover the soil. But if you can, you should still try to have a layer of old leaves and cuttings over the surface of the soil below those plants. You know, picture a forest floor. Living plants cover much of the ground in a healthy forest. 
But there are also old leaves, dead stems, logs, branches, and other old plant material making up a duff layer that protects the soil below it. And you can use logs, stumps, and large branches to help cover soil in your growing areas, just like in a forest. You know, I often put logs or large branches on the south side of my trees and shrubs. You know, this creates a relatively cool and moist microclimate behind the log where the tree or shrub is planted. You know, I first learned about this technique while touring the restoration work being done on the Elwa after the dams were removed. You know, the old lake bed there was very exposed and harsh, making it hard to get trees and shrubs established. But the plants that were planted on the sheltered side of logs were protected and did much better than those planted in the open. This same principle can be used in your backyard and is a great way to deal with drought. I've even used small logs in my garden beds, you know, placing them between rows of vegetables. The key, though, is to keep the soil covered, whichever method you use. You know, exposed soil will dry out and heat up, hurting not only your plants, but also all the life in the soil. And, you know, while keeping the soil covered will help it stay moist and cool, you still got to make sure the soil has water in it. Now, any watering you do will be more effective when the soil is covered. Less of it will be lost due to evaporation. But you've got to water correctly if you want to effectively deal with drought. Often people water every few days, but only a small amount of time. You know, this comes from the general recommendation you always see about plants needing an inch of water every week, which, you know, that's really just a catch-all recommendation and not actually that good of one. You know, and if you follow this approach, you know, the result is often that only the top few inches of the soil gets wet. You know, this is also the hottest part of the soil that is most prone to evaporation. And because this is where the water is, you know, because that's where if you're watering shallow like this, that's also where most of your plant roots will stay in these shallow top few inches. But what if you could get your plant roots to go deeper? If you water deeply and infrequently, you encourage your plant roots to follow the water deeper into the soil. The upper parts of the soil will start to dry out, but the lower parts will remain moist for much longer. You know, this is how dryland farming works. And in some cases, if you follow this approach, you can skip watering entirely once your plants are established. You know, even even with annuals, you know, like I remember listening to, a, it was, I think it was NPR episode, where they were talking to dryland farmers and researchers who were studying them. And they, they were growing, in the Central Valley of California, they were growing tomatoes with no watering at all. And you know how hot and dry that part of the country is. And the roots, they were finding the roots going down 30, 40 feet. And that's because of this dryland approach, the roots just keep following the water as, you know, down into these areas. And that, that really is a fantastic approach, and it is something you can do um, at home. You know, and by encouraging your plant roots to go deeper into the soil, you know, your plants will become more resilient to drought. You know, plus, where the roots go, you know, this will help add, you know, help build soil by adding organic matter deep into the soil. You know, and over time, doing this will help make your land even more resilient and will help deal with droughts now and in the future. So those two techniques, you know, work great for dealing with drought now. But let's talk about how you can prepare for droughts in the future. You know, dealing with drought today is important, but the best way to deal with drought is to take steps that make your property more resilient to future droughts. You know, these are steps you can take all year round. You don't have to wait for a drought to happen to take these steps. In fact, you really shouldn't. You should be doing these all the time. You know, so if you take these steps now, you know, your property will be able to weather future droughts much better, and you might be able to skip taking any extra actions. 
you know, my food forests and hedgerows never need watering. You know, they have with a healthy living soil, perennial native food plants, cool microclimates. You know, these growing areas are very resilient to droughts. Even right now, where we're having record-breaking heat here in western Washington, you know, temperatures never seen in recorded history in this area, I'm not having to water my plants. You know, we had some rain recently a few weeks ago. It was great. And the system, my system is set up to hold on to that water. So despite all this heat and these record-breaking temperatures, the soil is still moist. And this is what, you, you know, if you build a system to be resilient to, to droughts, this is what you can achieve. You know, and the goal is when the rains do come, you want to make sure that you keep more of that water in the soil because that's water is stored there so your plants can access it even when the droughts come. And with the impacts of climate change getting worse, you know, preparing for more frequent and more intense droughts is more important than ever. So let's look at what you can do to deal with drought in the future. And just a reminder, you know, don't forget to check the link in the description to visit the show notes, which has a list of resources to help you get started with each of these techniques. So the single most important thing you can do to deal with drought is to build healthy soil. You know, keeping the soil covered is the first step to do this, as we mentioned earlier. But you also need to stop tilling the soil. You know, instead, the focus should be to let the life in the soil build it for you. You know, and the single best way to do this is to increase the organic matter in the soil. You know, not only will the structure of your soil improve when you do this, but the soil will be able to hold far more water without becoming saturated. You know, every 1% increase in organic matter increases the amount of water the soil can hold by as much as 25,000 gallons per acre. You know, if this was done over all U.S. cropland, the equivalent amount of water that flows over Niagara Falls over a time period of 150 days could be stored in the soil. And that is just a 1% increase in organic matter. Imagine what could be achieved if soil organic matter was increased by 3, 5, or even 10%. You know, but not to, when you don't till and you keep the soil covered, you know, these are the, the, first, the first steps to achieve this. And the next is to transition to perennial foods. Because when you have the perennial foods, you're keeping living roots in the ground the whole time. And we're going to talk about this more in a second. And just to explain a little bit more about organic matter, you know, this is, if you look at a forest floor, there's all that, like, you know, you dig into the top layers, you'll find little, you know, break twigs that are breaking down, old leaves, you know, it's something we call the duff. And, you know, basically organic matter is all that, it's all that dead plants and also living organisms in the soil. And, you know, healthy, rich, living soil is just filled with that. That's what gives it that dark, dark, rich, you know, appearance. It has that nice, healthy smell. And it's also kind of nice and, and crumbly, kind of like chocolate cake, you know, holds together, but it's, it also has a little bit of crumb, crumbly nature to it. And that's what you really want. And that's what high organic matter looks like in the soil. You know, my soil, when I started out, had very little of this. That's why it was gray. You know, now it's turning brown. It's the organic matter is increasing. And that really is the goal. Okay, so let's, you know, shift now to back to the, you know, planting perennial foods. So when you plant perennial foods instead of annual foods, you know, this really is a great way to deal with drought. You know, these plants not only have a more extensive root system, giving them access to more water and nutrients, they also feed life in the soil. You know, by supporting soil life over the entire area covered by their roots, which is going to be a much larger area than annual plants, you know, perennial plants help build soil deep below the surface. Because 
plants do something kind of cool. They release what are known as exudates into the soil. And in the next podcast episode, we're going to talk more about this. But basically, you know, these little exudates are packets of food for the soil life. And so the plants are releasing this into the soil, feeding all the soil life, and that's directly helping to build um, soil. And it's helping your plants thrive because they need that soil life. So the, the roots go deeper. That helps to encourage more soil life over a bigger area down deeper, which basically means that you're building topsoil over a much larger area. And, you know, over time, this adds organic matter to the soil and all. And that the result is that it greatly increases the water holding capacity of your soils. And, you know, with their extended roots, like I mentioned earlier, these plants will, ha- will definitely be better able to weather future droughts than any annual crops could. You know, I don't have to water our perennial vegetables or our fruit trees. You know, once they're established, they're good to go. As long as I pick ones that are appropriate to my climate. You know, I'm not going to grow plants that need wet areas in a dry area. You know, you do have to still pick appropriate plants. But, you know, perennial veggies like my perennial greens, I never have to water them. And the next technique is very similar, and that's to look at planting native foods. You know, just like with perennial foods, planting native foods is another great way to deal with droughts. You know, these plants have evolved to deal with the natural climate found where you live. You know, while the climate has changed dramatically due to human action, you know, native plants are still often the best able to adapt to these changes compared to non-native plants. In addition, you know, these plants support the greatest diversity of wildlife, and a more diverse environment will always be more resilient to droughts and other impacts than a less diverse system. And if you want to learn more about how native plants support wildlife, you know, make sure you check out the link um, in the show notes. You know, we really go into this. Basically, a little quick, you know, synopsis is there's most insects are picky. They only eat certain plants um, that they co-evolved with. And those are always native plants. So if you don't grow native plants, you support far fewer insects, which means the whole food system, the whole food chain is much reduced compared to one that's based around native plants. You know, planting native plants really is one of the best things you can do to create a resilient and diverse landscape. And, you know, these plants can help you deal with drought in other ways, which we'll talk in the next technique. So the next technique I want to talk about is to create cool microclimates. You know, often when people are growing food, they want their garden to get as much sunlight as possible. But full sun is defined as at least six hours, though eight is often the goal. You know, it's not a full sunny day. You know, beyond those six to eight hours, you know, the sun can actually be harmful to your plants by causing heat stress and by making droughts worse. You know, plus some common food plants like lettuce actually do fine with less than full sun. And many perennial foods and native foods can easily be grown in semi-shade or even full shade. You know, a great way to help with this is to plant hedgerows or clumps of trees and shrubs to cast some shade and also block the summer winds. You know, this is especially effective if you can block the late afternoon sun when the temperatures are at their highest. You know, and native plants are really a great option for this. You know, they do great in hedgerows and, you know, basically this allows you to plant native plants, support wildlife, and then also create cool microclimates and give some shade. You know, I did, I have some hedgerows planted along the west side of our property and I have some native uh, shore pine in there and they're going to get up 60 feet or so. You know, they're not huge conifers, but they're big enough that they're going to cast a lot of nice late afternoon shade and they'll help keep our house cooler. And they're also going to help our whole growing areas just be cooler. And, you know, when I'm doing more hedgerows in the future, you know, we'll be planting even taller trees because we want some shade, you know, full sun 
is great. You need full sun for a lot of food plants, but it's also great to provide some shade. And the drought that we're going through right now and this excessive heat is really, you know, showing me how much more I need to do to plant taller trees and really create more shady areas. And if you want to learn more about hedgerows, you know, we had a, just did a recent episode all about them. And I definitely recommend that you check that out. You know, there's a link in the resources section of the show notes uh, for this episode. But, you know, if you don't have room for a hedgerow or if you're not ready to take that step, you know, even leaving tall spent vegetables like lettuce that has bolted can help shade their neighbors. And tall heat tolerant plants like tomatoes can be used in a similar way. You know, you could plant the tall ones along the west side of your garden beds. You know, so they provide that way they'll provide late afternoon shade to all the plants planted around them. You know, all these options will help you create relatively cool microclimates that will help you deal with drought. And putting logs down, as we talked about earlier, where we're talking about keeping the soil covered, you know, putting logs over your beds, you know, they do the same thing just on a much shorter scale. But the goal is just to create little areas that stay shady and stay cool and, and get less sun than the rest of your areas. And when you're trying to reduce the impact of droughts, these shady areas are really important. And the last technique I want to talk about is to retain as much water as possible on your property. You know, all the techniques we've covered so far will help you deal with drought, but you still need water for them to work. You know, deep watering, as we talked about, is one option. But the best option is to retain as much water as possible when it comes naturally in the form of rain. You know, increasing the soil organic matter is the first step you should take. You know, we talked about that earlier. But another step you should take is to slow the water down to give it time to soak into the ground. You know, far too often, people try to move the water quickly off their properties through ditches and other methods. You know, I've seen rain gutters that go underground. You know, the downspout goes into the ground, go, pipes go underground, and it just the, all the water is just shot off onto the road. You know, it's just lost. All that water is lost. And we're talking about thousands of gallons of water lost. You know, then these same places have sprinkler systems to water everything. You know, there's a disconnect there. You know, really the goal should be to slow the water down and give it time to soak in. You know, one option is to install rain gardens at the base of your rain gutters, where water can collect and soak in instead of being directed off your property. And you can still have, you know, spillover pipes that will direct excess water to either additional rain gardens or even off your property if it's really like a big storm and you know to deal with to make sure you don't have flooding issues you know there are ways to do it and you know instead of ditches that quickly move water away and off your property you know you can create swales which are dug on contour so the water slowly builds up and giving it time to soak in you know basically instead there's no change in elevation across a swale so the water just builds up slowly and then there's a, generally a spillway at one area for the water to flow out and kind of sheet flow over the ground into generally a, another swale down below that and these swells can be really small you know i went outside during the winter um, this year actually and dug a quick little swale in one area you know just to redirect water into my food forest because it was kind of ponding up where we walked to get to our car you know and that just took me a few minutes to do it's a basic thing it's only you know five six inches deep but it's enough to stop that flooding we were having or ponding really and to redirect all that water into the food forest to really help our plants thrive and you know the thing is too you can use ditches in a good way you can use them to direct water from areas where you don't want them say around your house 
out to rain gardens or ponds where the water can soak in. You know, we had some issues with water kind of flooding our crawl space in one area, so I, I did dig a ditch. And I'm going to be filling it with rocks to kind of make like a dry stream bed. But I want the water in that to kind of flow out and down into an area below our house so that there, we don't have issues with our crawl space. And since I've done that, you know, we have no no issues with our crawl space flooding anymore. And, you know, I did that because I had to deal with that flooding, but I didn't try to get rid of the water. I just moved it to a better spot where it could soak in without causing issues. You know, really, regardless of which of these methods you use, the key is just to keep the water on your property as long as possible. You know, you want it to slow down, you want it to spread out, and that way the water has time to soak in. And if you do that, you know, then there's just going to be that much more water in the soil, you know, from the winter so that as you're doing everything else to improve the soil quality, you know, build up organic matter, you're just going to be locking that soil into the ground because it's always the best place to store water is in the ground. And that's because that's where your plant roots are and that all that water is available then in a drought for your plants. You know, if you take the steps covered in this episode, you will be better able to deal with drought now and in the future. But these aren't the only steps you can take. You know, another great option is to look at what you're growing. You know, try growing more drought-tolerant foods. You know, auric, for example, is much more drought-tolerant than spinach, and it can be used in a very similar way. You know, it's there's lots of times where, you know, we, we tend to want to grow a plant because we might like it, but it maybe it needs some conditions that we just don't have. You know, it's not good to grow plants that need a lot of water if you live in a dry area. You know, try to find the plants that are appropriate to your climate and that can handle droughts, you know, at least as much as possible. But by creating cool microclimates, by keeping the soil covered, all that, you will be able to, you know, have conditions that are that support a wider range of plants. You know, climate change is already making droughts more common and more intense, and this will get worse in the future. You know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, as I was writing the outline for this episode, Western Washington, where I live, is going through an intense record-breaking heat wave, and the entire Western United States right now is facing heat and drought. You know, this is our new normal. You know, climate change is impacting all of us, but you can deal with droughts by using the techniques outlined here. You know, the result of doing this will be a more resilient landscape that really can cultivate abundance for people, plants, and wildlife, even in the face of climate chaos. You know, and make sure you stay tuned for our next episode, where we're going to look at purple tree collards. You know, these are a fantastic perennial vegetable that I highly recommend trying. And if you live somewhere where these can grow, you know, this is a great option to expand your perennial food systems, which, you know, is also a great way to help deal with droughts. You know, our... Tree collards don't mind this heat at all. They're happy with it. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And thank you for listening to the Growing With Nature podcast. This podcast is made possible thanks to our patrons over on patreon.com. Thank you, patrons, for supporting our work. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Your review will help more people find us. People like you who want to bring these skills home to support wildlife, grow food, and help heal our living world. Well, that's all for now. See you next week, same time, same place. Have a great week, and keep on growing.